Simmons. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode number 18. Um, my name is Grant, with me is Scott. Hello everyone. Now, on this week's um, podcast, we're going to be talking, we're going to do a bit of a quick review of the uh, the JLT series um, and our, our pre-season in general. Um, we're going to uh, ask a couple of questions and have a bit of a natter about what that means for round one against the Crows. Um, and Importantly, um, we, and as we've sort of mentioned during the week, we have one of our most special guests um, on the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast, that being uh, Mr. Xavier Campbell, the CEO of the Essendon Football Club. So we, uh, we had a great 30-odd minute chat with him uh, earlier today. Um, so we're really hoping that you guys will enjoy that. We got some great insights into um, the club, um, some great insights into the future for the club but importantly we also got to understand a bit more about Xavier the the man himself so and the footballer, uh, and the, footballer the uh the modest footballer I think he was I think he was very modest in his uh, in his yeah. interview but that's okay so um Scotty what do we think about um the JLT series well it was a tale of two halves wasn't it so Absolutely. we we discussed in detail about the Richmond game and let's all just drop it right now yeah, we'll forget about it we there. moved on I have no idea um, so look Geelong probably was a better representation of where we're at um, gastro free for a change yeah. uh, a quite stronger list um, and you notice the difference when a, a Zach Merritt and a, a, and a Michael Hurley yeah. yeah and all those guys Hooker and all those guys play so there's more leadership around around the ground there's more physical presence um our tackling pressure was much more elite yep um look i really really liked what i saw um definitely room for improvement no, no doubt about that but it's a jlt everyone's rusty but that backline thing you've mentioned a few times to me about the backline oh look uh, i i still have slight concerns but i thought we held ourselves up okay um look surprisingly ambrose Look, let's be honest. He, he was probably on the wrong person. He's on the wrong person. He's, and and I'm not going to put it on him. Um, uh, obviously, Hawkins had a, a bit of a free reign. Uh, but look, as soon as we put Hurley on him, the game... End, end of story. End of story for the last yeah. 40 minutes of the game. Uh, so we do have those kind of moves in play. Um, but Ambrose is typically more you're running forward. He's It's yeah. more you want to use his tank as his strength, and, and that's where he shuts down opponents. So just the wrong opponent. I'm not really too fussed about that. Um, look, I found selection. Um, yeah, now strange, and, yeah. and look, and, and you know, everyone knows me. I'm Mister Positive, uh, and I'm not really slamming anyone or anything like that. Look, this is just a fan talking. Look, my personal view is Langford had to play that game, and and now in light of some injuries, I, I'm I'm more firmly on that view. Um, Gleason. Getting into that game, I must admit, I harped straight away and saying, now we haven't played um, Redmond any any game or any game time, and he's actually been playing that role as yeah. backup. So I still find selection committee, to me, just a little bit strange in, in preparing us for the year. So I feel like we've got some talent as backup, but they actually didn't play much GLT games, so they're not really ready for round one. So I hope... Um, look, everyone knows I'm Mr. Positive, but I have to I have to call it also how I see it, and we want to be quite honest this year on the on the podcast and and, and talk at as talk as as how we think as fans, and we want to make sure it's an actual 
fan podcast. So that's just my concern. But let's talk about the game. Big things I got out of it was McGrath's second half. Sneaky. The man's sneaky. Like, you see him getting the ball, but I, the man, he had, what, 25 touches or something like that. Yeah, and probably 20 of them in the second half. So yeah. he was, he really did Did sh- he switch shine. positions? No, no. I think it just took him a while to get um, just used to his role. Um, and he, he may have had a rocket at halftime. Yeah, yeah, I reckon he might have. His first two, I guess, halves in the Richmond game were that great. And then the first half against Geelong was pretty quiet. And then suddenly he just bolted. Yeah. And it was the McGrath that we all know. Yeah. But McGrath, the midfielder. And that makes a huge difference to the side. Yep. Zach Merritt. The, yeah, what, what can we say? The kid's on Brownlow watch. Yeah. Seriously. 30 possessions, 9 tackles. It, if, he, if he isn't in the top five at Brownlow at the end of the year. I, I, I am seriously... I genuinely believe he could easily win a Brownlow this year. If you've got a lazy 20 bucks, whack it on Zach Merritt for the Brownlow now. That's Grantos's uh, his tip for you. And the fact that he has been kicking goals, if he can get that part of his game regular, that's when you start getting yeah, Brownlow votes. Yeah, you take the next step. Yeah. Yeah. So... He was excellent. Hurley was excellent. Jakey Stringer. Jakey Stringer. Um, the goal. <laughs> interesting one. For a start off. One of the best goals you will ever see. Oh, and baby. that's what you get with him, isn't it? Oh, he, baby. He, he's, a, he's an interesting player because when they talk about the term match winner, that's an actual... Genuine. That's a genuine Absolutely. person. And that's why you recruit him. He can play even a lot better than that. He's... He's. Um, I found it strange. There was a Herald Sun article almost saying that, oh, the midfield role's not working, so time for a change. And I found he's that had, so what? strange. He's played two games of football there. So I, I, I think we've got to let him grow. And he's going to have some moments where he's going to be quiet. And we're probably going to have to accept that. New but the payoff everything. might be huge. The payoff yeah. might be huge. Oh, look, Jakey Stringer, I'm calling Jakey Stringer four litres of double cream. The man, it could dead set be cream on top of the cake for Essendon because he, he's he got the talent. You don't forget how to play football all of a sudden. Um, oh, that first goal. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's... He just chucked that on a boot. That is natural talent. And I think with your, with your likes of your Zachs and your Devin Smith, who's going to be an absolute star, Devin Smith, incredible pickup. Adam Saad. I mean, the rest of the boys, Zachy Merritt and Heppel and McGrath and Zarakis and Myers and all those guys and Parrish... Um, even Begley floating through there. Jakey Stringer for mine, just let him go. Just let him go. Let him work into a new club, new mates, new teammates, new season. Let him work into it. And I swear one day he's going to kick four and three of them are going to be from the boundary line and he'll win you the game and you'll think he's the greatest player in the world. And also, even though he may have made some reasonably silly decisions, Mr. Stringer, in the past, um, I reckon he's got a footy IQ. And I reckon that slipping him into the midfield, not for 90% of the game, but slipping him in for the midfield every now and then, so yeah. 60%. So I reckon slipping him in there is going to be a challenge for him in his career. I reckon the club would have said, yeah, sure, you can kick goals from the boundary with your eyes closed, right? But can you be a mid? Yeah. And I, I like the challenge for him. I like the challenge that he's he's going to have to work, uh, learn the trade in there. And tell you what, you see him at training when he... He's a massive unit, and he is yeah. strong as an ox. You still feel there's a level of fitness he needs to get to. I agree. To be a proper. Mid. I agree. Um, so I, it still feels like a work in progress, and I hope he has the appetite to keep working hard to get fitter yeah. and fitter. Um, but don't expect this. Is the thing, don't expect thirty possessions from him out of no. the midfield. But when he, I'll say this: when he moves forward, it's 
It's a whole different. I, I would hate game. to think of the opposition coach because they yeah. might, they instantly would be concerned. Absolutely, um, he's got the Cirriolis about him. I mean, you can chuck Cirrioli in the midfield for 10, 15 minutes to for some freakish rundowns or from some extractions or on the outside or something like that. But I swear, man, if he follows, if Jakey follows up a midfield extraction with a sprint down to the half forward line or something, and the ball heads out to a wing, and he's on a half forward flank or inside fifty. Apart from Joe, he's the most dangerous player down there, and the oppositions will be worried. Now, I will mention one person who I just found out has a calf injury. Uh, Myers. Um, Frustrating, which is no fault of his own, but the boy does get injured, and that's a bit frustrating. I thought he was really important in that game. He he led our side in clearances. Um, I was very interested to hear James Hurd say he was the most pivotal midfielder for 2018, if Essendon will, needs to succeed. Ooh. And I know what he was trying to get at. Uh, it's a big call, but he was obviously talking about they're so desperate for big bodies. Yeah. He, he's basically talked about the two areas, him being a big body clearance player and kicking the ball 70 metres. And he said both are, are unique skills. And he just mentioned if Myers can get into true form, that would actually elevate Essendon to that more top four, top five position. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting take, but I th- he was playing really well. So, again, injuries come again. Um, we've just had a bit of a week of injuries, haven't we? So How long for David? I don't think it's totally determined. Um, Is I, it like a four-week thing or the, like, no, longer I, term or just I, two or something? I don't know. It seems okay. like maybe short term, but I must admit, literally the news came 20 minutes before our podcast. Yeah. So, so um, I don't, I don't know. The exact details, but he so, he is out this week. So who comes in for Paddy? Um, so well, you got a lot of injuries, haven't you? Um, look, I think for one week, and I, I mentioned it today, and it's always a debate. I think for one week, Hooker goes back. That's personally me. I I, I, I know people will say Michael Hartley. Yes, I don't mind him playing. I actually don't mind him playing him on Jenkins. I, I don't mind um, Michael Hartley, but. I do... Look, I personally have just some things that Michael Hartley does that I get frustrated at, and that's more around his physical presence and when the balls hit the ground or the ball's loose or the ball's coming in. I find him excellent at punching the ball, but I still think there's some areas in his game that just worry me. That's that's just personally me. But I... Um, Lost my train of thought then. Don't you hate that? I think one of one of the things that I think would be interesting is that from what Xavier said in when we had the chat with him earlier, in the long, along the lines of we, we put it to the man, we put it we put Hooksy forward. We put the back. big question on. We put the big question to the to the top man, the 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 the, the Grand Fromage. And um, he basically we sort of glossed over it to say, No, no, that's all right, Xavier, you don't have to answer that. And he said, No, no, I'll answer it. I'll definitely I'll answer it. And I guess without giving too much of the interview away, he sort of said Hooksy will go forward, he will go back, depending on the matchups. Now, if if we if Essendon thinks they can get an advantage by putting Hooksy back there to, to swing through and take his marks across half back, then, do then it, yeah. absolutely they'll do it. And and Xavier said it in the interview. He said they'll absolutely do it. Now, I can see in a situation like this, if there is a matchup for him down there, then Sean McKernan. Sean McKernan can come into the into the forward line or um, and Hooksy can go back, and then you, you could you could manage it that way, or you could just bring in Brown, or you could bring in a Hartley, or something like that. Day. It just depends. Yeah. Bring in a day. I mean, day for day for Gleeson. That's the other question. I mean, who comes yeah. in for Gleeson? Um, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because 
For me, Gleeson, if you had a like for like, you're talking Ridley, Francis, and Redmond. Yeah. And they're probably all not just ready yet for... I would, but this is the thing, man. Is it Red? Is Redmond not ready? Well, he's ready. They just didn't play him. I know, and that's so why I don't get he, it. He's not match fit ready. Uh, and that's the thing. I mean, no, if... He did play VFL last week, so I'll give him that. And I think in the last quarter he did okay, but... But even in the JLT, like, just to... I'd love to have seen a half a footy from the man playing down back. Like you can, and I guess we we love the VFL um, team here at the at the podcast, and we we go out and see him a lot. And we I see Redmond trying real hard, and he's trying to reinvent himself down back. That's great. Um, I I really sincerely hope he gets a chance. I think they'll probably bring in D. Um, I think they're going to play safe. Yeah, they'll probably they'll probably bring in D. I mean, D's dependable. He's you know what you're going to get. He's he's all good, and, and gotta love Matty D. Um, but. I think D for Gleeson, and they'll probably. I I don't know the matchup. I, I guess yeah. it'll be who who's the first the, pick? Is it Brown or Hartley? If if Hooker stays forward, Hartley. Okay. So currently Hartley. I mean, he played about sixteen or eighteen games last year, so he's clearly yeah. He's clearly now. The interesting part is is where the Crows are almost at. So the Crows have have pretty much announced that. Tex Walker's not going to play. Yep. Brad Crouch is not going to play. We know Brady Smith's going to play. Not going to play. We know Lever got traded. We know Cameron got traded. Yep. So from when we played them last year, there actually there's a lot of talent that's missing. been that's been now missing. So huge game. So it's a, it's a, it's a big opportunity for us. Um, no doubt we have to play at a hundred percent level. So that obviously we're not even saying we can treat them lightly. That's obviously the opposite because they they've still got the Sloans and all them guys. But um, but it does actually create interesting matchups when you have that many changes to the opposition opposition as well. Yep. Because Tex Walker obviously. Then you would go, okay. Well, and how do we address the back line? Because he's not. Are we playing. now too tall down yeah, the back? So, it's it. it Wush has got a really interesting one coming up. Um, look, I actually want to address Sloan. Um, tactically, I found it interesting that Richmond went a bit old school in the grand final and they tagged Sloan out of the game, and it was a huge success. I'm not sure if we have a tagger, but if we do. <laughs> I would employ that tactic myself this week, knowing that they're down on stars, and do then you negate the obvious star that's left. Can you can you run Zarakis like two or three guys with him? Can you run Zarakis with him? See, and then... I can't see Zaka. Um, but I, I don't mean Zaka being a stopper like um, um, uh, yeah. Um... <laughs> he's only captaining the uh, the reserve side, Grant. You've forgotten his name. Hocking. He's from Hocking. Damn. Um, sorry, Heath. Um, we don't have a Heath Hocking, right? Like, and that's cool. But no. do we run a ridiculously fit footballer like Zarakis past him for 10, 15 minutes and then we hand him over to somebody else? It's just that you need someone physical. So I reckon to tag Sloan, the physicality part of it is, is such a key. And I'm not quite sure who I would put on. Do, do, do um, you know who I'd, who I'd put on? I'd love on to put the challenge on Begley. I just, that's exactly, honestly, do you know who I'd put on him? I'd put the, fr- I think he's put got the, the fridge on him. I think he's got the engine. I think he's got the fierce competitive. Baby, put the but, uh, fridge on him. Show him what a real a real <laughs> solid footballer feels like. But, uh, but Sloane's got a lot of tricks, so I'm not going to put Begley under the fire. No, nah, I, I, I rate Begley. But I, I, I'd do it. We don't really have the modern-day Damien Preville on our side, do we? So, no, well, the, the but it's just an interesting world. tactic. I know Richmond employed it. It worked really well. Um, and our midfield... Look, our midfield performed quite well against Geelong. I think that was a huge improvement. Do you know, yeah, I think we're being realistic. 
it's still an area that we're all a little bit nervous on. And for me, it's a little bit more the height and strength that we probably lack. <laughs> um, but the skill level's there. Like, the, the actual talent is, oh, yeah, yeah. is equal. Um, and thank you very much, Devin Smith. Thank you. Oh, boy, he's on fire. Man. Do you know one area of our midfield which I reckon we'd I'd really still like us to, to improve? And I guess it's a JLT, so let's not get too excited on the subject. But I guess um, our, our entries into forward 50... We've got, yeah, we've got it, it quite, improved dramatically after half time. After like half time, the first half, oh my goodness, man! And I, I every time I see, yeah. every time I see the ball just openly bombed into the fifty, I just cringe. I think because, it's the bombing that frustrated me because we have a play where the we give it off to a midfielder, he runs two meters, and he literally kicks it sixty meters. But there's a total disconnect with our forwards who are running forward and are 40 meters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so they're 20 meters be- behind them, and we're we're basically doing a U-turn. Yeah. But the defense backing the, back into the defense. But the defense is, is all set up. And I guess we've we've got, in my opinion, and I reckon pretty much everybody's opinion, the most dominant leading forward in the comp. Yes. Uh, if you, no one's getting anywhere near Joey Danaher if he puts his hands in the air, in the air, and you hit him out and, and lace out, and it it does frustrate me a lot of times when you see poor Joey, who's not built for one on one. He is not Hawkins. You got to hit this guy on a lead. Chuck it out in front of him. He's he's quicker yeah. than half the midfielders to fifty anyway. Yeah. That that inside forward fifty. I don't know. I hope Wusha's been working on that because it's well. The key part is we tidied it up. It was obviously addressed at halftime because yeah. we, it was a dramatic transformation. Absolutely. We lowered our eyes, and that's all. That's all we want. Lower your eyes. Know where your opponents are actually Absolutely. leading up to the ball. Especially and, with Stuart and Dan. And I thought McGrath settled down quite well, and then. When he was getting the ball running out, you saw him then choose much better options in the second half. It transformed how the side moved the ball, how he looked. 100% um, agree. Stewart and Stewart started to kick goals. Yep. We started to get a whole lot more productivity. Um, so as long as they're learning as they're playing, I'm happy. I'll be interested to see how they go this week because traditionally Adelaide do smash us around the ball. Yeah, they're very so, good. So we have a big test coming up for our midfield. Um Look, we're not going to talk too much long because uh, we have a huge guest, but go for it. I want to ask another quickie question. Yep. Um, Orazio, Waller, and Green. Who makes the team? Who doesn't? Well, Fantasia's injured, so... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, good one, Grandos. Um, <laughs> well, when yeah. they're all fit. Well, Green's the third string. You reckon? So he's the loser. Well... In the forward pocket. The other two are stars. <laughs> <laughs> So if, if you had have seen the look that Scott just gave me with regards to that question, hey, I'd sort of a genuine question. Can you all just three ask of them... me, does Green play over Fantasia? You're going to get does, that look. Does, can we get and all three of them? And now Green. No, I know. But the other person's name was Fantasia. Yeah, true. But can we get all three of them on the park? Is there room uh, for all three of them on the park? Oh, look, on some occasions you could. If if It's a bit of an opposition. It's, it's almost how, how we talked about Hooker how the opposition sort of sort of lists itself. Yeah. If we can take advantage by going smaller, yep. then yeah, for sure. But well, last question. Last yep. question before we, we sort of move on. Two rucks, does it ever happen? Do we have one on the bench? Uh, unlikely. I think that days of that are, are, are closing. Okay. Um, and I think Bill Chambers is a very big physical presence that 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 sort of does everything we want. 
supplementary. I thought, I thought his game against Geelong was fantastic. So did I. Supplementary question. Yeah. Does Sam Draper play AFL football this year? It has to involve an injury. Yeah, agree. Um, but he's getting closer. Will he play in the future? Obviously, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I don't think there's any rush. The Especially when develop him a number one draft pick. He's developing so well that I don't think. Look, he may in the second half of the year sneak a game. But, yeah. Um, but the kid's seriously talented and nice. um, he's learning the craft really well. Hey, look, before we get onto our guest, I just wanted to just share <coughs> a, a kind of a good news story. Yeah. Um, look, if, most of you might know now who follow me on social media. It was really interesting. I I posted a, a little query on our Facebook site, True to the Red Sash, and just asked how membership's going and, and how people are paying for it. Do they like the pricing? And that was just a general question. And look, we had a response from a lady called Beck Young, and um, she's okay for me saying this because she's very open about things. Um, and her response just sort of triggered, I guess, um, for me to contact her. Um, she just wrote about, having a very tough time of things of things and um yeah uh i won't go too much into it but it, it was not great and and um she's become a bit of a victim in, in some ways but she's moving on really well but her and her two girls just come to the situation where they couldn't afford any memberships or really going to the footy so um i had a great chat to beck and talked to even one of her friends and look we kind of just had a very instant thought of doing a uh, a FundMe account to see if we can get the whole family Essendon memberships and reserve seats. Two hours later, we had more than $200 than what we needed. So um, it just showed me how great the Essendon family is. So uh, yesterday, um, we worked out with the club. We rang them up. Um, all all the two girls in here have got memberships now. They've all got seats. They're all actually near the cheer score, so they're... So excited! The two girls have all highlighted all every Essendon game and counting down and and um, look, it was just one of those great stories. And I just wanted to thank uh, the fans who you know who you are who um, donated. In there's a lot of five dollar, ten dollar, fifty dollar. There was even one for one hundred and fifty five dollars wow. that people donated. And um, it was just it was just just something that's great that really in the space of her posting and and us verifying it, and then three hours later. <laughs> that's paying it's all paid for and so uh, we're going to get a, a few gifts at the bomber shop as well because we had a bit of extra money so we're going to get some um with help of the club we're going to get a few off a few one-off things for them and um yeah so just thank you everyone uh they're the kind of things i think that makes sort of the club and our fans special and it's happened a few times i know we've done it before where we've helped people get memberships and I always say for you for those who've got groups out there and that it's always a good thing to do once a year and just to find out people who are doing it tough and and do a bit of a mini fundraising and get people to the footy um so yes thank you look well I won't go too much longer we have upcoming our special guest CEO Xavier Campbell one of the most special guests we've ever had we uh we're incredibly thankful for uh Um, to get this much time with uh, an, an AFL CEO, and importantly, the, the, the Don's AFL CEO. But um, yeah, we're incredibly um, thankful for, for Xavier's time. And uh, we asked him, you know, we asked him some tricky questions. So we wanted to be, you know, we, we didn't want it to be all sort of just fluff. We wanted to make sure we asked him some, some hard questions. So I hope you enjoy it. 
this actually goes for about 35 minutes, so it's a really good extensive interview, and, and it's from probably from a fan perspective on our side, uh, just about where things are at, and then he gives some, some great thoughts, and um, uh, I just really, really appreciated it. So enjoy the interview, and we'll start it now. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Podcast. Uh, we have on the line a premiership player from the Double Blues. <laughs> So um, it's not often we have a premiership player on our hands, and yes, we always indeed. we've been trying to get a premiership player. So um, otherwise known as oh yeah, well he is the CEO of Essendon, so that yes, that's also on his resume. So yeah, uh, welcome, uh, Xavier Campbell. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Grant. Uh, can you look? We actually thought it'd be fun to actually talk a bit about your old, uh, about the footy days. Um, can you tell us a, a little bit about? Um, sort of the, the premiership years in, in Sturt and what kind of player were you? Is there, is there anyone, <laughs> is there anyone we can sort of... Uh, is there a touch of the Timmy Watsons in there? Was there oh, a Dyson <clears throat> goal-kicking mid, something along those lines? I was much, much slower than both of those players. <laughs> um, no, I, I was, I mean, I grew up in country Victoria, so, you know, football was such an important part of, you know, our lifestyle growing up. It was such an important influence on my life and... Obviously, a lot of the friendships you make, a lot of your values are shaped from your experience through your local football netball club in the country, and that's you know that was that was certainly my experience. So, yeah. um, football was really important to me. I finished uh, football, finished school in Tuka, um, and that was probably what was that '97, and I went. I didn't get drafted. I was playing football with the Bendigo Pioneers and went to Adelaide. So, um, you know, my challenge was because you know, I didn't get drafted. I wanted to probably try and give myself one last opportunity to try and do that. And, I thought the best approach was to go and play at the next best standard competition in the country, which was the South Australian National Football League. And I went to Sturt, and Sturt was such a fantastic football club. Yeah. Um, it was made up of a lot of guys from country Victoria. So you know, a lot of us had sort of gone across to Adelaide just to play football, and we had a really tight-knit group of guys. And, you know, football was fantastic over there. It was tough football. It was it was really high standard football, certainly as high as I was ever going to get. And... I was very lucky to scrape into that premiership side in 2002, and it was uh, it's one of my great memories from my from my sort of younger years, I guess. And now, without um, trying to channel JB uh, particularly much, that that's all great, Xavier. We we appreciate that kind of stuff. But what kind of player were you? Did you burst through the packs? What were you? Were you an outside? Were you an inside? Were you a key position? Where did you play? What did you do? I saw, for some reason I see a Ted Richards in there somewhere. A bit of a Ted. What type of player? Well, uh, I was I was pretty slow, and I probably so was Diesel um, Williams, right? Like you, that's a couple of Brownlows there. Yeah, I was. Uh, well, yeah, he was. I was, certainly wasn't that skilled though. I didn't seem to find the ball near as much as he did. I was I was a battler. I think I probably got the most out of my physical um, attributes, which wasn't enormous. Um, I was a hard worker, and I think as a player, I was sort of really just a I had decent skills off half back. I you know I wasn't. Um, I could play a bit taller, a bit, a bit shorter, but I, I certainly wasn't fast, and I certainly wasn't a massive ball getter. So, um, but I was, I think I was a good team man, and that was important to me. We'll put Very you, we'll put you in the uh, Damon Peverell bracket. <laughs> well, you know what? It's probably not a bad fit. It probably wasn't as tough as hard as the ball as, as, as Pev, but I'll take that. No, it's very humble, very humble. Um, Next question, mate. Jeff Kennett's recently said that the clubs looking to play games in China and India are basically wasting their times. I can't believe he said that. Um, can you tell us about your thoughts on the matter and uh, and why Essendon's looking into India? Yeah, we, you know, we, I think that's probably a bit of a narrow viewpoint um, when you consider what we're trying to do with the game. And 
probably more what, what society, how society is reflected now in Australia. And I think we need to be conscious of you know understanding the the society and the community that we live in. And for us, we live in a really you know changing, really strong multicultural um, community here, particularly through the northwest of Melbourne. You know, we're really strong. Indian migrant population through here. We've got a really strong supporter base, particularly in areas like Craigieburn, where it's made up of a really significant percentage of people from um, with an Indian background. True. So, you know, I feel like it's just the evolution of, of us as a football club and you know our, our relationship with our community. To be honest, I, very sim- simply. I, I don't know if you'd agree, but I, I guess I'd. I look at going into China and India as a as a great opportunity for the AFL. I guess you look at the world sports that. Um, that are in fact world sports. I mean, you got NBA and and um, the soccer and the like. They've all got supremely fit athletes performing incredible, um, uh, performing incredibly well on football fields around the world and the like. And I, I would put AFL football and the athletes that play the game up there with some of the the most fit and most athletic and best football or best sport um to watch in the world i, I think it's mm. i think we've got an incredible product in the afl where we can we can market um some incredible um talent and some incredible uh, a spectacle for the afl and, and china and india with their great populations and, and their love of sport i think it's a natural progression for us i'm not quite sure where jeff's coming from there yeah, I think well, Aussie rules is such a unique sport, and it certainly requires a really diverse range of skills um, to play it. It's it's tough to educate people on it because you know Indigenous sport here. It's for there's a lot of players on the field, a whole range of other elements to it. But the, the reality about you know something like an Indian strategy for us is it's twofold. It's, it's one locally here, and I sort of mentioned those points before that growing burgeoning population through the northwest in in particular, and that presents a lot of opportunities from a growing new membership base in particular um and then it's probably overseas in india there are there are opportunities to to grow our game but also with the work that we've done here we've built credibility through the indian community yeah uh, and through the indian corporate community so you know a presence overseas you've seen what port adelaide's done quite successfully with their work in china i think they're starting to reap you know the benefits of that commercially whether they are from a performance side of things i'm not entirely sure of that um, that would be a question for them. But for us, you know, there are a range of opportunities that we get on the ground over there to grow corporate revenues, um, potentially membership in the long long run as well. Whether we want to play games of football over there, I think we've stated publicly that you know, we don't see ourselves playing formal or official home and away games by any stretch. Yeah, but to promote the game fun. and explore AFLX or, you know, other sort of hybrid games like that or exhibition games, that's something we're absolutely open to. But, you know, our core business is football and that's why we want to ensure we play all of our home and away games in Australia. Well, for me, like when Essendon announced about the eSports, uh, my, I, I kind of put my business hat on. Um, my logic behind it kind of said, well, if you had a probably dying audience in the AFL, that's probably, I'm only guessing, um, I'll say like the 8 to 15-year-old market because of online gaming and and if we can capture that market and, and brand ourselves aligned with what those kids see um, then what yeah. harm can it be it's it's a good way of grabbing the attention of, of an audience that necessarily don't even think about AFL that's exa- exactly right Scott um, you know we've got a relatively flat population um, we've got a increasingly impatient audience 
in a sense that, you know, when you look at the you know, sort of key demographic of that 20 to 35-year-old, there's just so many different entertainment options. Um, you know, obviously with technology, consumption habits are shifting. Um, so when you look at things like esports, you know, with such a strong 20 to 35-year-old skew, um, demographic skew, look at, at sports like basketball, um, strong 20 to 35, they can all coexist with football, with AFL. Mm. There's no reason why they can't. Um, when you start to talk about you know, maybe some of the other sports that they, they directly compete within the winter months, and absolutely I understand that point that you want to be careful of how you, you co-promote that. But for us, there's opportunities with esports, there's opportunities potentially with basketball. We're a long way from that, but we certainly feel like exploring that makes good sense for us as a business. Yep. Can I ask the question... Um, I think you know I know a lot of fans and, and, and run a Facebook group. So I, I thought I'd ask a question that I see come up a lot and I thought it'd be best for you to answer. And it's actually around the eSports, the wheelchair footy promotion and obviously the, the rumours about NBL and AFLW um, and the RMIT. You, I always get this little, a few comments about what impact is that having on the football side of the club? Mm. Because obviously they say, hey, I'm, I'm a diehard Essendon fan that hasn't seen us play win a final in 15 years. I love, yeah. I love what we're doing, but how is that all impacting the football department or the football side of the club? Mm. And it's a really good question, but in reality, it's all designed to try and provide more support football for the football side of the club, yeah. for our core business. That's the reality. You know, these aren't sort of activities that you go and take on without adding incremental resource, you know, resources behind them to ensure that they can succeed. You know, you don't want to be compromising. I think a lot of lessons, a good example of, you know, if you listen to other clubs talk about the introduction of AFLW and the incremental workload associated with that for existing staff. Now, the benefit for clubs like us who come in, who will come in later on down the track after lessons have been learned and, you know, you, you can take a lot out of those first few years of the AFLW introduction will be about how you staff it, um, the incremental staff numbers and headcount and shaping of your organisational structure to ensure a smooth transition. You know, for us, we'll benefit from that. Equally, I feel like what we're doing with esports, what we're considering with basketball, you know, ultimately, it's it's not just about it's about growing your supporter base. It's about growing commercial new, new commercial revenues. Yeah. So you become less reliant on other areas like gaming, other areas yeah, like yeah. that. But ultimately, to put back into ensuring you pay one hundred percent of your soft cap and one hundred percent of your TPP. Yeah. You know, that's that's how I see it see it working. I see it, a big part of it is is an investment in, in new commercial revenues. A big part of it is an investment in growing our supporter base to ultimately and indirectly feed back into our core business. Our core business, I can categorically state this, we will never compromise our focus on our core business. We are a football club designed to and with the objective of winning games of football and ultimately winning premierships. And yep. I'm like everyone else. It's been too long since our last finals when it's been too long since our, <laughs> our last um, premiership win. But... It doesn't just mean because it's been so long and we've been through such a challenging period that it's just going to happen. We've got to build a proper model to ensure that we put ourselves in a position more likely not for us to succeed into the future every year, not just for a short period of time as well. And look, I, I think I could speak for a lot of fans out there, Xavier, and, and when you say something like that, it, it does um, puff the chest out a little bit as an Essendon supporter because you look at the likes of Stringer, Saad and, and Smith and... Um, 
the new facility out there um, up the road from my house, basically, at, at Tower Marine. And you can see the club is in is heading in absolutely the right direction. Um, we've got three of the best draftees coming to our club who pretty much could have gone anywhere. Um, I think the club really looks, from a, from a supporter's point of view, the club um, really looks like it's heading in the right direction. And I think it's, it's encouraging to hear the CEO talking about um, not just winning a final or not just winning a premiership, but looking towards the future as well. So that's that's really encouraging from, from my point of view. Um, quick question. We love the VFL um, team here at the mm. Lunchtime Catch-Up. Um, how do you feel about the, the talk of possible national um, seconds competition replacing the current VFL model? Well, I haven't had much talk about it. I just, it was, it was a very short discussion last week at the CEO and President's Conference in Melbourne. Um, very, very short. Um, so I'm sort of shooting from hip a little bit when I sort of it's not that informed with what I've got to say. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, you know, as a traditionalist growing up, I really loved the whole concept of um, reserves football. You know, excited. I mean, in many respects, many respects, we've got that now. We just don't have the curtain raiser piece. Yeah. Um, and I used to love curtain raisers. I think a lot of people love curtain raisers. I, think, I genuinely think there's a there's a great opportunity and gap in our game right now where in, in that sort of hour and a bit before. You know the, the official bounce of the AFL match, um, right. so we sort of need to know a bit more about what the AFL is thinking in that space. If there's opportunities, you know, we effectively have that model now, just slightly um, detached from from us in terms of how we'd like to probably present it. Really, so the AFL sort of given a timeline on when they'll be presenting back to the clubs, but at the end of the year or something along those lines. No, no, I haven't, haven't heard anything. I'd say it would be a medium term. It's, it's very difficult. And you consider what's happened to the VFL competition now with the consolidation of some of the really traditional teams with AFL teams. Yeah. You know, it's, you've got to be, you know, as much as we're a big business, you still need to be conscious of history. And, you know, some of those VFL clubs are just as old as many of the AFL clubs or older. And we need to respect that because that's, that's important to the history of our game. Our game is not just AFL, VFL history. It goes much, much greater than that beyond that. Can I ask the question, um, how much emphasis do we actually have on our VFL program? Um, and not to say that I don't think there isn't, but um, it, what I guess what is the future, I guess, internally of our VFL program as far as location where we play, the whole setup? Yeah, well, firstly, from performance side, obviously, it's critically important. You know, that is really the development playground for, you know, stars of the future critical players for for our future so it's it's really important you know obviously we we invest heavily in the off-field side of the vfl to ensure we're well resourced to to maximize the development opportunities for those players so that's pretty important um from a from a um the future side i guess from a vfl brand perspective um we want to continue to you know i think our vfl presence felt like about three years ago when we really played some good football played a really good finals series with mcdonald tip and we others playing critical partner it felt like the profile of our vfl team lifted and it felt yeah. in, in turn that a lot of the support from our fans listen we've listened to that and i think you've hopefully you've seen on in our, a lot of our um media reporting the last three years we've there's been a big chunk of it's dedicated to the vfl program and the team and how it's they're tracking and there's a lot more from the coaches and a lot more insights and content that's just been put out across our platforms which i think is great now we have um you know in terms of windy hill you know i'd like to think that we still continue to maintain a, a presence at windy hill um windy hill still is a stadium that requires significant investment to get back to um 
being really sort of practical use. Yeah. Um, I think everyone would sort of say that there's it looks dilapidated. There's, there's elements that need. And we're surprised, and we're still investing a lot in that on an annual basis. But we'd say, love to get a, to a point. Is there a line there in the budget for it? Absolutely, there is. Yeah. Absolutely, and there's a lot more. You know, it's hundreds of thousands being spent on it annually right now. But there's a big chunk that we're we're sort of forecasting to spend on it over the next 24 months as well. Um, we'd like to sort of, in conjunction with Mooney Valley City Council, develop a vision for that site that makes it more accessible, more open. Um, more more practical for sort of the interaction with fans and the game, um, more aesthetically pleasing. Um, and, you know, we're in discussions with the council around that. We've got some views around what that looks like. We'd love for it to still, although it probably needs to be streamlined a little bit from in terms of some of the, the stands and things like that, we'd still love it to have a really strong presence and essence and feel about it because ultimately it still is our spiritual home and that will never be lost on us. Absolutely. That's that's hugely important. Hey, um, speaking of expansions and the like, um, has there been any progress on the expansion on the land next door to... Um... Uh, the Telmarine base, uh, and could I be sort of cheeky enough to ask, is there enough room to build an NBL-sized stadium there, maybe? <laughs> well, so there's two parts to it. I mean, there's, there's there's expansion that we're earmarking, you know, basically of the facility itself. So when you drive in off Melrose Drive, you know, basically on the right-hand side just before you get to our facility, there's a big chunk of space that's being earmarked for the immediate facilities expansion, and we've sort of softly launched that, uh, over the last couple of months, and that includes the development of unisex change room facilities, community change room facilities, dormitory accommodation, big focus of that's going to be with the Australian Paralympic community, uh, community athletes, and also a lot of the kids coming down from remote communities through Tiwi and Manangreta and areas like that that we do a lot of work with to ensure that they can yeah. you know, spend more quality time down here in our facility. It's going to include a, a much grander and functional atrium where we can hold functions as we'd like to think that we're going to be able to sort of better showcase our history. Uh, new Hall of Fame, new um, Aboriginal Islander Sports Hall of Fame, APC Hall of Fame, different wow. meeting rooms. Yeah, so it's going to be it's a significant footprint as well as an incubator, sports in- incubator, business incubator, um, and you know, a range of other things. So it's, we've got a, it's a significant investment. It's probably a $20 million investment. We're in the process of, of some high net worth fundraising at the moment as well as you know, lobbying with state and federal government around contributions to make that, a, that vision a reality. So that's super exciting. We prioritise that because that, a lot of that is, although it's not necessarily revenue-generating uh, expense, it's, it's important for the rebuild of our brand. It's important for the next phase of our you know, strategic development where we're trying to go to ensure we can realise our, our vision of 2021. Um, so that's really important. And then you've probably got to your point before, Grant, the, you know, the, the land next door, we're in discussions with the airport about what that could look like. You know, we need to prioritise investment. We're prioritising that expansion, that immediate expansion um, to the sort of eastern side, um, firstly. Um, but I'd like to think that, you know, we build a pretty compelling plan for what that what that northern side looks like sooner rather than later as well. Excellent. Just have the... One of the last questions for me. Look, I'm kind of interested. Um, I'm always a bit of a person who thinks in hindsight. What what would what advice would Xavier Campbell in 2018 give Xavier Campbell, who just started in 2014 as CEO? What so? What have you? Uh, what have we learned? Um, what have I learned? Well, not to take things too seriously. Yeah. Probably. You know, it's it's. It, 
we live in a bit of a bubble, in essence, and that's not to say to take the seriousness away from what we're doing. Because you know, is that AFL with... land or AFL? Okay, also. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think you've got to ensure you have perspective on on things. You know, I think it's certainly when I took over, it was probably a really unique landscape. It was the start of 2014, and there was a whole range of moving parts yeah. that really. As much as you would have liked to have had control over it, you know, a lot of it you just couldn't influence. So focusing on the things you can control is a really important part about this job or, or being a CEO full stop probably of an AFL team, but in particular of, of Essendon over the last four years. And I probably took me a while to get that right. I think you, you, you take certain things to heart and the reporting, was, a lot of it was really negative early on. I thought a lot of it was, wasn't necessarily that accurate early on with the, in relation to all of the issues we were going through. So it was a little bit frustrating. But after a while, you, you realise you benefit for the businesses to focus on the stuff you can control and support the people around you. And you know, Then once I probably did that, I, I think I became a much more effective leader of the organisation. So that's probably the advice I'd, I'd reflect on. I don't know whether to ask you about this, but do you take any notice of still some, I'll say, noise going around at the moment, or do you just simply 100% focus on SM and moving forward? Because there's obviously still a few things that we all see in the media that, mm. are, that are happening. Do you, is there any. No, for me, the focus is, and the business is really on, on being the best football club and best football team we can be. Like yeah. that's productive focus for our energy, you know. Then that's that's what I think what the, the our, our members would want from us yeah. and from our my leadership and from you know the leadership of the executive and the board. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, you know, we know that we've we've got to build a what, what our fans always want is to build a really strong football team. You know, it's and and this is it's important that we you know we didn't go out and recruit 28, 29, 30 year olds this year. And there was plenty of them available based on the demographic and the strategic plan for our list management. You know, we we went and recruited twenty three year olds. Yeah, hey, because there was those they were a good fit for us. But also from a from an age demographic, we want to build towards something, and we want to put ourselves into a window that we can achieve our, over an extended period of time, not just flash in the pan sort of stuff. Like I don't think that's that's sustainable. And this competition is too even now. It's too competitive now. The margin for error is too fine now that you, you don't just want to make a run for for one or two years. You want to build for a period of time where you can hopefully create a period of success, sustained success, and that's what we're trying to do. So then, you know, and I say my message to all the fans is, you know, not to be patient necessarily, but to, to know that we're building towards something, that we're coming to a really exciting period over a number of years, not just to think this year, you know, I, I definitely yeah, think the opportunities are, yeah. yeah, absolutely, the opportunities are there this year, the opportunities are there, and I think Richmond and Western Bulldogs have proven that over the last 24 months, that opportunities can come when you least expect it, or perhaps when earlier than what you think, and may, maybe that, that could be the case for any team, including us, yeah. but we're, we're building ourselves to be in a position to, over a four to six year period, to really compete, and our recruiting is sort of you know, with those age demographics, as, as it lends itself to that appropriately. Yeah. Now, just, just one last question on that subject. Now, Adrian Dodoro, um, I swear by the time he's finished at Essendon, we should build the man a statue. Um, <laughs> t- tell me you've got him on a long-term contract because the, the things that man's done for the club has got, been incredible. He got promoted recently, I think. Yeah, Adrian is. He's, he only sits on the executive now. Um, good, good. Yeah, you know, I mean, Adrian's. He's focused like the rest of us. He's got. He's got. You know, the perspective like the rest of us that we haven't had the success that we all crave, and that's you know, and that sits on with all of us. We we know we haven't haven't been able to achieve that yet, but we want to ensure we build toward that, and that's not by putting 
you know, and this is from my perspective, to put ridiculous, unrealistic expectations on age and what that team can do in a really short period of time. It's, yeah. it's again about building that sustainable program, and that's you know he had a very clear strategy he was working toward this year, and it's not just Adrian; he's got a great recruiting no, team no, behind him. Yeah. Um, but they've been they've been able to achieve you know some really good wins toward that strategy in the last you know six months. So. You know, it's a collective effort. John's done a really good job keeping the group aligned. You know, there's a lot of others behind the scenes, and the executive's done a really good job as well. But ultimately, supporters have done been just, you know, and it, it's hard because always it always feels like I'm I'm trying to find a new way to acknowledge the supporters in a in a in a unique way that hopefully gets cut through so they realise how important they've been for us and continue to be for us. Yeah to be for us but you know it's just phenomenal like the supporter base that Essendon's got and I've been an Essendon supporter my entire life so it's you know I feel like it's close to me anyway but you're just so proud of of that support um, and you really hope that we'll be able to build toward you know delivering the ultimate which is a premiership for this football club be it, you know any time over the next sort of three to five years I really think it's you know hopefully earlier but I really think it's you know, it's realistic for us, um, and it would be great. We, no one in this organisation would love that more than, you know, um, the me and the board. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, it, 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 there are a lot of Essendon supporters, I think members and, and, and otherwise, would be smiling hearing that, Xavier, because it's, it's really good to hear that um, from the top of the club, you, you really appreciate the fans, um, and I, I think it's uh, it's really great to hear. So, look, we, we know we, we've got you for a, for a long period of time, so we'll, we'll shoot off with some rapid question rounds for you, Xavier. No worries. First thing that comes into your head, favourite Essendon win you've seen live? Favourite Essendon win, full you stop. What did you have been there for? We'll just, we'll just, say, uh, we'll just we'll go full win. stop, whichever you like. Full stop. Well, I remember sitting in a car park of a hotel in Bendigo when I was in grade six, oh. and I was, I, I didn't go inside. My my auntie had driven me to, um, I think we had a, a family event that night. She'd driven me, and it was about halfway through the second quarter of Essendon Adelaide prelim. Oh, yeah. And I remember sitting in that car for the next hour and a half, beeping the horn every time we kicked a goal, and I just felt that was one of the great. I was all by myself, and it was one of the great <laughs> wins and moments. I'll always remember that. It was just a fan. And then watching on replay, just a tremendous victory. Oh, sorry, just a funny story on that. Um, that game, um, we were struggling to get tickets, and my dad had a friend in Adelaide who got us two tickets, and we sat square in the middle of the Adelaide Chew Squad. <laughs> It was the worst first half of football in my life and then the best second half of football <laughs> in my life. Next question. Yeah, that was a great win. Mm. Best childhood or your, your childhood favourite player? Oh, was, Wanganing was, was massive for me. That was a childhood. I mean, I loved watching James play. He was, he was just... He had just every facet that you require in a, in a you know, player that you respect. James had that. Yeah, but Wanganing, probably my childhood when I was a bit younger. You know, I used to want to be Gavin. Uh, we're going to go a little bit off AFL. Best concert you've been to? Best concert I've been to? Uh, I went to Lupe Fiasco in Melbourne. It was quite good. Um, Who best concert? <laughs> yeah, no, it, was, it was probably a little bit left of centre. That could have been left of centre, yeah. Chili Peppers ones have always been Chili good. Peppers, yeah, that's good. I'll nice. accept that. Um, <laughs> Favourite non-AFL sport to watch? Just in case you don't get enough sport. During your working week, uh, oh, I like bar. I like NBA in particular. Well favorite favorite team? Uh, but the Bulls. I grew up with Jordan, so it was still being the Bulls, and you know, probably more recently, like a lot of people liked watching Golden State. It's so exciting to watch. Nice. Um, who are your non-sporting heroes? Non-sporting heroes. 
Um, who do I like outside? I'm going to follow. Oh, I, we've got respect for a lot of that. You know, I, I actually used to watch John Howe a lot and enjoy watching John Howe and the way he led the country. Okay. Not that I'm a political person, but I just respect for, oh, no, I mean, for John. You can tell. I mean, the, the leadership, sort of, with you as the CEO in the leadership position, I can understand that. Yeah, Elon Musk, because obviously more recently you sort of see what's happening there. You know, it's probably more more recently. You see guys like Richard Branson and people like that, I think you you could learn a lot by just watching them. They're so unique. They're, they're trailblazers. Yeah. They're fearless. Uh, mm. Well, look, we, we did have a question saying hook or forward or back this week, but we'll skip that because you can't really... You can't <laughs> well, really... I mean, no, 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 don't, don't skip it because it's, it's, a, it's obviously topical and everyone seems to... Well, we have, have this view. Yeah. I mean, the reality is he's not a forward and he's not a back. He's but, just going to play wherever John and the coaching staff feel that he's going to provide the most value. I think Hooks even said that today in a press conference. And at, at stages, that will be probably back at times. And, yeah. and a lot of the time, it will be forward. And it will depend on different matchups and a, a range of other thing, considerations that the coaching staff will make. But rest assured, their decision will made in the best interest of the team and positioning themselves to, to win the game. Yeah, I think my my personal view is that the argument really is this week. Who how's the best way we can beat the Crows this week? Next week could be a whole different ball game. It could be you know Ridley plays well in the VFL and we might elevate him, or it could be a whole different range. It could be a, a person coming back from injury. But for yeah. me, it's always week by week. Who what's the best way we can beat the Crows in round one? That's how. Yeah, I, exactly. All right, next one. Uh, can we name the club cafe? We've been down to the cafe and had a couple of coffees, but can we name it Job's Hangout or something like that? The man was a barista. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Joe would let us do that. <laughs> you, you don't think or you would? Oh, I don't think he would. I'm not sure he'd love that. Oh, really? <laughs> he on. might. He hit me up for tickets today, actually. So he'll he? Be, he'll Shoot him an email. On, let him know that the, the podcast is asking whether he can chuck his name on there. Oh, it'll be great. Anyway. All right, I'll pass it on. <laughs> All right, so I knew you were an NBA fan, so... Who's better, LeBron or Jordan? Jordan. Well done. <laughs> Correct That's answer. why you see, yeah. <laughs> um, favorite overseas place you've travelled to? Oh, I, lo- I love New York. Yeah. Always love New York. Two out of two. Yep. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, and uh, what's the best show on Netflix that you're watching at the moment? Oh, I haven't watched Netflix for a while. Does the CEO <laughs> get much Netflix time? <laughs> no, I mean, I loved House of Cards. I think a lot oh, of people yeah. did. Yeah. Um, that's... That's a great one. Um, Have you seen The West Wing? No. I tell you what I did watch most recently on Netflix was Unabomber. Oh, Oh, yes, yes. I've seen that. It was quite good. It was quite good. Very impressive. I mean, I like the binge watching. It sort of suits my lifestyle. Sort of if you find four hours and watch it till the middle of the night, you can get a few episodes out. (laughs) Well, Xavier, we'll let you go back to dinner with your kids. Look, I just really want to appreciate... Uh, so much the time you've put forward. Look, personally, me, um, obviously we've talked a, a few times and I still remember me going to the club saying, hey, I'd like to put on a, a fan march. <laughs> and and the club, Justin and yourself, were both so supportive of that event, um, which obviously 15,000 went to it, so it was a huge success. But I just remember just how the club was so honest about it being organically led by fans um so you sort of allowed us to to organize it almost ourselves and you would support in any way you could um so for me just i just wanted to say how much i've appreciated the interaction and support from the club that i've got um and i just look forward to a a a good year 
Um, I encourage fans to get there early this Friday and and hey, let's make the stadium really intimidating. That's something I'm very passionate about is start making Etihad a real fortress, a real intimidating kind of atmosphere um, so so opposition clubs know who they're facing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, it's there's a real opportunity. I know Justin, the marketing team, have done a mountain of work to try and build what we hope to be a really unique ritual, pre-match ritual, unique to Essendon. You know, I'd love for as many Essendon people to get there as as early as they can. You know, it's there's there's different timings now. The team runs out a lot earlier than what they normally would, and you know that is such an important moment to have. You know, the, the ground packed, plenty of noise. You know, we want to make it as you mentioned, Scott. We want to we want to make the opposition feel intimidated. Yeah, and that's you know, you see how well Adelaide and and uh, Paul Adelaide do over at Adelaide Oval. You know, there's no reason why we can't do that with Etihad. And we should definitely be trying to do that um, for sure. And, you know, I guess more broadly, on behalf of the footy club, I know you guys are both very passionate about the Bombers. And obviously, I know it'd be boring about you, Scott, and you, Grant, but I know you're both equally really passionate about the Bombers. Um, you continue to be fantastic supporters of our football club. You drive great alignment across the supporter group, great discussion, great positivity about where the football club's going, which we really appreciate. Um, thanks for your unwavering support and, and more broadly to all your listeners. You know, we, it doesn't go unnoticed. You know, we don't take for granted one bit how loyal and passionate our supporter base is and, and for that we're truly, truly grateful. Uh, Excellent. Our pleasure. Well, again, uh, Xavier, thank you very much for joining us on the Lunchtime Catch-Up podge- uh, podcast today. Um, we really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Xavier. Well, it's not every day you get to talk to the CEO of Essendon, so um, that's pretty unique for us. Um, have talked to him a few times while obviously the club and organising a few things and, and talking to the marketing team, but um, it's pretty special to have him for half an hour just talking about footy. And I think that's the kind of club we all support, um, listeners, in that we just got 35 minutes with one of the more busy um, men in the world and CEOs of the AFL, which is it's just worth its weight in gold. So, um, again, another huge thank you to, um, to Xavier. Um, and a, a huge thank you to Xavier's assistant too. Um, yes, and Lisa. Yeah. Lisa, yes, thank you to Lisa um, and the club in in, in um, generally just releasing a, him, yeah, re- <laughs> literally releasing him. And I mean, I think he he said he was doing that interview from his office still there at um, at this time of night. So um, huge thank you to Xavier. So um, we hope you really got something out of that um, interview. I think we we um, um, he he opened up a fair bit, and uh, I think the, the the main takeaway for me was just genuinely how he appreciates he the board, the club, um, the players, and and I assume the the, the coaches and the like really appreciate um, the Essendon supporters, the Essendon members, um, and that they are really truly working towards a goal for the Essendon Football Club that doesn't I, I, I tell you what I took away from that that it doesn't just mean one premiership yeah. I don't think they, they're they one and done they're no really I sense he in. wants us to be a bit more the Hawthorne Geelong models where it's Absolutely. sustained success I agree we're always around about the mark and I think also too the, the kind of brand that we've got our brand took a hit it absolutely took a hit recently um, probably the biggest hit in AFL history um, but I think he's like he reshape. sort of said is that yeah he's, he's starting to reshape it. They even used the word, um, and with the likes of AFLW and the wheelchair footy and the possible NBL license and that sort of stuff, he's he does have he's got both eyes on on success. So I can assure you with that. But he's got a half of one of those eyes just on um, on future success as well. So yeah, um, it'll be it'll be fantastic if one day we have a nice commercial success 
and arrangements that we can take sort of the, the gambling aspect, the pokies aspect, where we actually don't rely on that anymore. Um, and that's that would be a huge achievement. Now, I think how we're how we're moving <coughs> it, it, on on a path that we are that sort of sets us up to do that. So that is episode eighteen. Hey, we've we've noticed there's suddenly a lot of podcasts around. And um, look, in all honesty, you know, I was having a listen to Herdy's podcast with Corv. Great podcast. Great podcast. We're, Get over we're, there and have a listen. We're never precious about other people's podcasts. I was listening to the. I think it was the Red Sash podcast during the week. All, all great. Um, so cheerio. hi to everyone who's doing those podcasts. Um, the other ones, uh, the Wind Hill Sock. Um, Windy Hill Sock. Uh, is it Windy Hill Sock? The Windy Hill Windsock, is it? Windsock, yeah. 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 Um, some, some really good. They'll tell me off for getting that wrong. Um, but yeah, so have a listen to Herdy's podcast. It's so good to hear him. Um, just, just generally having laughs and being so relaxed, and yeah. you could tell he's in such a good, good place. So um, it has literally been a year, like ages, ages since I've heard that man's voice. Yeah, for that kind of amount of time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So and, it's really um, good. And I'm so proud of him. Just the openness about his mental health and um, how he really wants to sort of champion mental health issues. And um, so uh, it's just really impressive. And we all know how what an impressive person he is. So. Um, great to see. Check out his podcast. We we we'll, we just we just do this for fun. So we we can hope hope you keep listening. We'll try and keep it as entertaining as possible, and and get guests and 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 make it um, I guess as much insights as possible, but making it fun. Look, there may be a possible announcement uh, in the future, but we're not going to say anything. But we're not going to say anything. We're just having talks. No, no, no. But, no um, shush, shush, shush. That's that's going to come forward. You got to keep listening, guys and girls. I guess it's it's um dinky little podcast that we're doing out here in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Um, two mates talking um, talking bombers is something we're having the biggest laugh doing, and we really appreciate everybody that subscribes um, to us on um, iTunes. And or SoundCloud. And thanks for all the comments on iTunes. Yeah, recently. absolutely. Um, we've had some really uh, uh, nice ratings and comments on iTunes recently. And if you can, take the time to be honest and just give us a, a comment. Yeah. Uh, it always helps and it always gets helps the word out. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can send us an email. We get some really great feedback via the, uh, via the email. Um, we get... Uh, we, we really... Re- we want to hear from you guys. What are we doing well? What aren't we doing well? Do you want to... Um, what do you want to um, uh, to hear in the podcast? Um, do you want to hear less Scott, more Grant, or <laughs> the other way around? Um, so yeah, absolutely, get back to us. We uh, we're gonna kick back into gear. I know we've had some sort of sporadic podcasts over the Christian New Year period, uh, but we're kicking back into gear for 2018, um, and we're really looking forward to it. Yeah. So Friday night, can't wait. Oh, go bombs! Uh, I'll be there. So if I'm walking around, come say hi if you know what I look like. Yeah. Um, and yeah thanks everyone um have a great rest of the week we'll see what the team team gets announced tomorrow night yep look forward to it might even be tonight or not tomorrow night um so yeah go bombers friday night let's beat those crows to start the year off well go bombers thanks guys